Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give you their message of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to executive wellness coach, author, and speaker, Naz Bahashti. Are you ready to unlock your full potential, but you're feeling overwhelmed? You get the tools right now from Naz, who learned firsthand from Steve Jobs, then others, and has taken their practices and created a three-step process, helping you move past life obstacles and take you into the magic of your purpose. Learn how to turn off your inner critic and bring mindfulness and magic to your life right now. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Nas. Thank you, Lauren. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah. Okay. So I got a copy of your book. It's right here. Nice. Pause, breathe, choose, become the CEO of your well-being. Okay. So for everybody listening, when I get a copy of the book, I also get a list of questions, which I usually don't pay attention to because I like doing my own research and coming up with my own questions. But the first question is so good that I don't even know if you know the questions that I get sent because a lot of times I don't even know what people send about me or what they actually have. But the first question is that Steve Jobs was your first mentor and the inspiration behind Pause, Breathe, Choose. Please tell us what it was like to work for him and how your book came to be, well, the, how your book came to be is a whole like question in itself. But I just think it's so interesting that you worked for Steve Jobs for so long and, and what it was like to work for him. And I actually love how he came to you in a dream. I, I love that stuff. <laughs> well, so working for Steve was highly influential and highly inspiring for me just coming out of college. It was my first job out of college, my first corporate job. And I happened to get it. It wasn't something I was seeking. I got hired on the spot and I just couldn't say no, even though that wasn't something I planned to do or thought I even wanted to do, but experience. And sure enough, it was an amazing experience. And it truly set me on the path to where I am today without knowing it at the time. But in hindsight, Steve being my first boss and my first mentor, he was the first person to show me up close and personally, just you know, being in contact with him daily, working in his office, what it truly meant to live your best life and like live a life with passion and purpose. He he truly embodied what later I, you know, trademark become the CEO of your well-being. He truly embodied that. He was the CEO of your well-being, of his well-being, and he is was the CEO of a very successful global brand. So I wanted to emulate that. I thought it was pretty cool that he got it all. And he, you know, and he really had a very holistic lifestyle in terms of taking care of himself, his family, his company, his people, everything. And so I learned firsthand from an amazing visionary and man. And I, I just am very, very grateful every day of that experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, clearly that was your past, but what did you do? What was your position? What did you do when you worked for him? I came in as his executive assistant at Apple. And also I helped out with Pixar and a little bit personal stuff, but mostly it was uh, work-related executive assistant. Okay. And then talk about how he was influential in you writing your book. 
Well, Steve appeared in a very vivid dream. Actually, today is February 14th, and mm-hmm. he appeared on 2014. So today is a very momentous day back in 2014 when he appeared in really, I mean, it was such a vivid dream. It was more than two years after he had passed. And simply and clearly, the way Steve always spoke to me in life and in my dream, he told me that I should write a book, a book about my first job and working for him and how that impacted the rest of my life and career, which it truly did, as I mentioned. And I've had countless lucid dreams that I was able to recall afterward. However, I've only seen people's faces in my dreams three times. And each time it was the face of someone dear to me who had recently passed away. So when I saw his face so vividly and he told me to write the book, I woke up the next morning and I took his prophetic words very seriously. And I soon began to write. And I'm not, I wasn't even a writer at that time. And I just knew I had to write because in hindsight, I was able to put all the pieces together of my career, the start of my career working for him, but then my whole journey afterwards and how that was that like such a pivotal time for me in terms of what I was going to do in my life. Well, you have your own company where you go into these huge companies and you teach basically mindfulness, right? Stress management, mindfulness, and I do employee well-being and leadership development. So a bunch of, you know, just total well-being from a holistic point of view. Here's you going into, I mean, Fast Company. Wait, the companies are listed actually on your book. CNBC, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Yahoo. Those were the companies I was featured in, but I've worked with that are my clients are like Google, Facebook, a bunch of different companies. Okay. So here you are, you go in and you're like, we're going to learn mindfulness. <laughs> How do you do that? So my book is based on my like most popular workshop and training, which has become the CEO of your well-being. Uh-huh. And I took the most popular pieces and parts that resonated most with employees and leaders. Cause I also do private coaching with executives and I do workshops for companies and, you know, speaking engagements for companies, but based on such, you know, positive feedback and success of those uh, workshops and coaching and all that, I wrote pause, breathe, choose after Steve told me I should write the book in my dream. It all came pieced together And if you were to get my book and read the book, you'll kind of learn how, you know, my map method works. And that's kind of how I teach mindfulness through different types of, um, you know, parts like, like map is an acronym for M is master mindfulness. A is apply the seven choices, A's. And that's for stress management. And then P are the three P's. And it also stands for promote yourself to CEO of your well-being, the final piece. And so when you put all that together, it's my method and framework on, it's like a holistic framework on how to live your best life. And so that's we, kind of how I, I teach it. Yeah. I, and I, I want to go into that. And I want to talk about what mindfulness is because I, it's what I also do mindfulness meditation practices. Yeah. And, and I'm such a proponent of it. but. When you go into these companies, do you teach 
to large groups? How do you teach it? It depends if it's a speaking engagement, then it's just like a talk I do for anywhere from, it could be half an hour to two hours. It could be a whole, like uh, sometimes companies invite me for their annual retreat and I, I do breakout, uh, you know, workshops, but typically it's, it's can be anywhere from an hour to a 90 minute workshop. And I do um, include experiential exercises. So perhaps one guided meditation, one exercise or two from the book and one that's not in the book that because the book is full of like actual action steps and and business hacks. So I try to incorporate, you know, some, but I change it up and it depends if, if it's a very big group, like I spoke at uh, Cisco with 80,000 employees, that's very difficult to like make it intimate, (laughs) like hands-on, but I, I was able to guide them through some things, you know, but some companies say, okay, let's leave out the experiential exercises. Let's just, you know, talk about how to manage stress and build a mindfulness practice. So in that case, you know, I do whatever the company wants me to do and what's best for, for who I'm speaking to, but I also incorporated on in my one-on-one coaching too. So then it's like, you have your own coach always there for you based on your specific lifestyle and needs that's very tailored to the specific individual but yeah it's very fluid it's very like yeah. customizable so i can work with in any kind of circumstance with any type of company or group so first let's talk about what mindfulness is for anybody who's listening that hears it all the time but isn't even sure exactly what that is well for me everyone has their own kind of experience and, and definition of mindfulness for me. And the way I look at mindfulness is the practice of mindfulness truly awakens your mind and your heart from autopilot. And it enables you to experience life unfolding in the present moment. Cause oftentimes we're just on like autopilot and go, 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 and not even realizing what we're doing, what we're seeing, what we're thinking, what we're hearing, what we're smelling. Like we're not in tune with our senses and we're just on autopilot. So it unlocks our ability when we are in the present moment to tap into our intuition and creativity so that we can receive new information and develop, you know, a new perspective with a beginner's mind, not a like I know it all judgmental mind, but a beginner's mind, which then allows room for that creativity and new perspectives. So in a nutshell and short, mindfulness is presence of heart, unveiling your truest self and desires is the way I see it. So how did you get introduced to this and like beginner's mind and everything? Well, Back in 20 years ago, I'm really now dating myself, but my mother started meditation very long time ago, decades ago, and she uh, started with TM. And when I started actually working for Steve and then my other jobs following, she always noticed I was very stressed and just like tired and always complaining I didn't have enough time. And I was lacking energy and just like in some parts, sometimes on the verge of burnout. And she said, you know, you really should meditate. And I was like, I don't have time to sit and do nothing. I'm, I'm actually complaining that I don't have enough time. How can I sit there and do nothing when I need to do all these things, like my huge list of to-dos? And she says, trust me, if you do it twice a, a day for 20 minutes, and I scoffed, I was like, yeah, 40 minutes to do nothing. Yeah, right. You know, and. So I was like, 
this isn't for me. I don't have the time for this. But she said, if you do it, you'll gain more time. Because in other words, you're, you're going to gain that energy and just like be more centered and focused and efficient. Well, I just ignored and disregarded that for at least a decade until I was ready. And so a great life lesson is like, you may get the best advice of your life, which that actually was the best advice of my life. But if you're not ready to receive it, it doesn't matter how good the advice is. So I was not ready to receive it for about a decade until this really life-changing trip to Antarctica made me just more centered and focused and aware of just the beauty of like the untouched land when I was in Antarctica on this expedition, I came back and something clicked in me and I told my mom, you know what, I'm ready for meditation. And she was just so pleasantly surprised and quickly got me into the TM program. I got initiated. This was back in 2009. And since then, I literally have, my whole life has changed. I have for the better, like just turned upside down for the better. I was just like life-changing. I was waiting for you to tell me some secret thing that's going to have my daughter <laughs> who's 22, like say, okay. <laughs> I, I was waiting. I, I'm like sitting here frothing it, going, <laughs> you're going to give me the secret to have my daughter say, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> like once in a while, but yeah, she's not. secret is to be persistent. My mom was, but like, I, let I her am. come. Yes, it's perfect. I mean, she's heard it her entire life. She has heard. And, and when they were really little, they would do the meditations like for little kids and, and at different times in their life, you know, but not my son, definitely not him right now. He's still in college though. So. Okay. There's always hope they oh, totally change or so young, right? Like I was very young too. And I was like, I don't have time for that. And but then something clicked that I'm like, no, I do. And I need it. You know, I want it. It wasn't even, I need it. It was like, I want this. I want to try this new experience. And maybe after college or, you know, as they get older, maybe they'll meet a new friend or meet someone who does it. And then they'll be like, oh, well, I want to try it. You know, it's sometimes coming from the mother, even though you yeah, may be the closest never good person. Coming. Yeah, it's never yeah. Good coming from mom. <laughs> But one day it will be. That's when like now at my older age, my mom's my first person I call for everything and tell her everything, you know? So it's just life stages. And uh, hopefully she she will decide that it's time that she's ready. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's grown up seeing it. So anyway, I was just, just a question. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I love your definition of mindfulness. So when you have your own personal obstacles. What are your go-to tools? Pause, breathe, <laughs> choose. And sometimes it depends what the obstacle is, but that is my first go-to is pause, take a pause and take breaths. And then I have to choose. I'm able to then choose more wisely of how I want to proceed. Sometimes it's that pause is a really long pause. Like, Hey, I need to step back. I need to like take a break. I need to, you know, just depends what kind of obstacle. My trip to India, how I left, you know, um, and took this like six week trip was a long pause from corporate America. And, and I came back and chose to quit my job, you know, and start my company. Like that was a huge pause, but sometimes a pause is just a couple breaths, you know, or like, you know, sleeping on it and thinking about what to do next when you wake up. And, you know, it, so it totally depends, but pause, breathe, choose. And then my healthy habits that are ingrained in me that are my daily healthy lifestyle habits, like 
you know, meditating, exercising, eating well, and sleeping well. Like those things help build resilience and maintain resilience so that when those obstacles, challenges, adversity, anything comes your way, you're better equipped because you're taking care of yourself. Now imagine like I, I coach executives who barely sleep. They're, you know, they're totally burnt out, burning the candles on both ends. You know, they, what seems to be to be like almost on their way to the hospital from like adrenal fatigue. You know, I I've had a client who actually passed out in a meeting from adrenal fatigue because he wasn't, he was disregarding his own self-care and prioritizing his work and his company and more than his own self-care. And it ended up ended him up in the hospital. So taking care of yourself is, is number one to be able to take care of everyone else and everything else. Right. So that's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And I, I love all the tools that you just gave in your book. You have great questions to ask yourself about why are you tired and what's going on? I mean, you don't say what's going on. You have actual questions <laughs> to see yeah. what is going on. And your book is very rich. I, yes, I very much recommend your book. And we'll have links and everything to, to the book and to everything else on the website and in the show notes. So like you've got the, I call it a three-step process and it kind of is. So for somebody listening, everybody cannot have your coaching or may not work for a company that you're going to go to. So somebody who is facing the obstacles and their inner critics going and, and they don't feel fulfilled right now, they are burnt out. What are some tools that you would give them? Some practical tools. Well, the first thing I would do, because as you said, my book is very rich. It's, it's like has abundance strategies, tools, yes. actions. And the reason I did that is not to overwhelm someone. That is not, the purpose is not to be like, hey, do all these things. Absolutely not. It's to give choices. Like I love choices, pause, breathe, choose. So choose one thing that's going to make you feel better. So everyone's different. That's why, again, lots of choices, not all of those, every single thing is going to work for every single person. Maybe some things work better. Some things, you know, work, you know, better for certain people than others. So what I would say is what is one thing that helps you feel better, like makes you feel good. What is it? Like, I mean, the obvious ones are like sleeping, getting proper sleep, not just, you know, sleeping, like catching up one weekend and then pulling all nighters throughout the week or not sleeping yeah. enough. No, like consistent sleep, having like a bedtime, you know, routine, going to sleep at the same time and waking up at the same time every day. According to sleep experts, that is the number one best thing that you could do to sleep better consistently retire and rise at the same time every single day, even if you don't have to rise early on the weekend or if you're not working or whatever, still wake up at the same time to adjust circadian rhythm and biological clock for your sleep habit. So that's just one example, right? But like, maybe you're already getting great sleep. Good for you. So then what, what is another thing? Like, is it, you know, you're not enough exercise or movement to, you know, literally get your endorphins going and move stagnant energy and just like feel better. Anytime that I've been sitting and a lot of times I'm coaching back to back or, you know, speaking, doing workshops and I am seated and a lot of us, you know, you may not be seated as much. You might be in court or, you know, but regardless, we're stationary, whether it's seated or standing, get moving, whatever that means. Like that helps so much. 
Or it could be like, you have healthy habits, but like you're lacking passion or purpose or like want to pick up a new hobby. Like I have a client who's like, you know, I'd love to play the guitar. I'd love to learn the guitar. I've always wanted to since I was a kid. And he's like 50. I'm like, well, it's not too late. Why not start now? You know, well, uh, I don't know, he says. And I said, why don't you just take a lesson and hire someone to you know, teach you guitar. And then he did and he loved it. And it's like a new passion of his. I have another client who started, took up polo, you know, later in life and it's his favorite thing to do. And it's like a newfound passion. So it could be, or it could be a relationship. It could be anything, you know, not just specifically to your health and personal well-being, but maybe engaging in a different way in your life, you know, with people or activities or adventure, travel, whatever it is. Yeah. No, definitely. And I sit all day. It's been very you do. important for me all day. I don't move. Yeah. I, yeah. I just like, it's been very important to me to walk, to make uh, appointments. Friends always say, let's get lunch. I don't, I don't eat lunch. I make, a, I'll make appointments with them to walk. I cannot Good. sit anymore. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I have to, and they're non-negotiable. They go on my calendar and, Good. and I walk because I don't move <laughs> now that I work, work from home and yeah. So it's one of the things I during like remote work during the pandemic, when everyone was isolated was just take the meeting on the phone. If it's just two people, not a huge, not a group meeting, you can't really, but unless you don't need to take notes or something, but just like walk and talk, do Steve jobs, loved walking meetings, just walk and talk. You don't need it. And it doesn't even have to be for a meeting. Like when I catch up with friends who don't live here that I can't see in person, I go on my walk, I go out and walk and talk. You know, yeah. uh, so I love that just moving and talking. That's that's better than sitting on the phone and talking. If I catch myself sitting on the couch talking to someone for a while, I'm like, uh, can I call you right back? Because I have to get through the elevator and this and that. And mm-hmm. I get outside and continue the conversation because that's more like beneficial for me to get fresh air and moving than to be sitting and talking at my desk or on the couch, you know? Same. Yep. Same thing. So, yeah. I have to get outside to, if it's with a friend, yeah, I have to move. <laughs> yes. That's great. Yeah. So that's yeah. one of many things. So I, I guess it depends to answer your question. Like what is that one thing for you? And that would be one of a big takeaway to your listeners. Like think about one thing that you haven't done that you want to do. You haven't done in a while that you want to do or something you've never done. Like my client who has wanted to start guitar lessons and just start doing it and start small. Don't like commit to a huge thing. Start small, see how you like it. And then just like build from there. And what would you tell somebody who they just feel unfulfilled in their job and they see other people doing what it is that they wish they were doing and, but they're afraid to take that leap. I would say feel the fear and do it anyways. That's what I did. And I never have looked back. Never. Yeah. You're me. That's, that's exactly feel the feelings and go for it. Yeah. That's pay to feel that everyone. You think I wasn't scared and you you think I didn't get any backlash from friends and family. Like, are you sure you want to quit your corporate lush job? Uh, You know, they call the golden handcuffs. I was in uh, pharmaceutical sales and I got the best you know, benefits, perks, salary, this, that. And I left it all to start something that I had no idea is going to be anything because uh, corporate wellness back then was even executive coaching was very nascent industry back in when I started uh, 12 years ago, 11 years ago. 
So now it's more common and like a, a big industry, but it wasn't back then. So I really took a leap of faith because I didn't even know. And I couldn't even compare myself to other people or see like, what is this person or this company doing? Like, because it didn't really exist exactly what I was doing. I just created my own. Yeah. Which is so amazing. I, I just love that. Oh, thank yeah. you. The people are like, what? So now when people, you tell people what you do, what's the most common question you're asked? Well, when I say it depends, I change up how I see it because yeah. <laughs> depending on uh, who asked. Yeah. Yeah. But if I'm kind of like, not, you know, just if I just say like, oh, I'm an executive wellness coach and have a corporate wellness company, you know, they just say, oh, like fitness, like, or, or nutritionists, <laughs> like they automatically go to fitness or nutrition. Like those are when you put in wellness or corporate wellness or executive wellness coach, that's what they think. And then I have to like explain it's actually a more holistic approach and it's how, you know, it's, it includes everything and it's actually more mental and emotional well-being. That's more what I focus on. Yes. Physical fitness and, you know, the nutrition, what you put in your body isn't, but I'm not a nutritionist and I'm not a fitness instructor. You know, I make recommendations and that's part of the bigger picture and, you know, pieces of the pie, but it's not the only thing. I mean, that's what they, automatically think and that kind of still to this day a little bit frustrates me because wellness and holistic well-being is so much bigger than yes. just nutrition and fitness that is just one two small pieces of it yeah definitely now has uh, any of the layoffs in tech and everything else has that affected your business or not at all one thing that was really disappointing, I'm actually writing an article right now, I'm going to be publishing it any day now on Forbes, is it's a little bit disappointing and disturbing to see how now corporate like tech companies are laying off like head of wellness, head of um, mental well-being. Like Google just laid off their head of mental well-being who was there for 10, 15 years, you know, and I just now am realizing that during the pandemic, mental health and well-being actually surpassed the physical fitness and all that. It was all about mental health, right? And I thought, okay, this is great. This is like the one one of a few silver linings of the pandemic. At least people are waking up to how important mental health is. Well, now fast forward a few years, you know, pandemic's under control, no longer, you know, in a state of emergency as that now they've declared, but now they're going backwards and firing, laying off the head of well-being and like the wellness departments of these big companies. So to me, that shows that that was just a temporary priority during a you know pandemic. Whereas now getting rid of it, it's no longer a priority. It's not important anymore. I mean, I I don't know. It's very, very disappointing. I hope that's just a few of the tech companies and that this is not gonna end. Uh, I'm glad you're writing an article. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it and I'm like, this is not a good sign. And I just hope that, again, this does not continue down this path because then everything erases all the good. I wrote all these articles about how great the silver lining of the pandemic is that people are waking up to this and prioritizing and treating their employees like human beings. And, you know, part of like what was great is that leaders were asking me, how do I connect with my employees better? We're all going through a hard time. The pandemic brought people together in, in a, in a very like special way uh, because of all the 
hardships and, you know, emotional instability and the unknowns that the pandemic brought, but we are all experiencing it together. We are all in the same, in a similar, I shouldn't say the same, because some people had lost, some people didn't, but, right. you know, but like we were all in a similar situation and circumstance. And I just think that, you know, it's really a shame and unfortunate to go backwards just because the pandemic is no longer a, a COVID-19 is no longer a state of emergency. You know, it, it, it will be if we start firing all these well-being people and, yeah. and we don't take care of our people, if that's not important anymore, we will have another crisis, you know? Yeah, that's, that's actually surprising. So it's disappointing, but I also, I'm an employment lawyer. I know which I, I can see the trends by the calls I received. So lots of pregnancy discrimination and I'm like, uh, yeah. Anyway. So who are your teachers right now? Who are you learning from? I am learning. <laughs> my number one teacher right now is my 11 month. <laughs> he has taught me so much uh, about myself and about life and about being present. And I just <sighs> think it's something that as we get older, we forget, you know, how to be present, how to play, how to be in that moment and just fully, fully engage. He's also taught me a lot about patience and, and gratitude and just so much. Just my heart has exploded since he's come into our life. And, um, he is my number one teacher at the moment. I do love, you know, listening to um, Dalai Lama and, and reading books on happiness and joy. And Dalai Lama has always been one of my teachers. And I had the fortunate, like, privilege to go to his home, to his residence in Dharmashala on my trip to India and did a three-day teaching with him at his home, which was amazing. And it was mostly about compassion. And I just, you know, was very, uh, I felt very honored to be in his presence. And, you know, I love to like listen to podcasts, you know, different podcasts. And um, I love Ted, Ted talks and just, you know, it doesn't have to be someone famous, just learning life lessons. But my biggest daily teacher is my son. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. yeah there's nothing about like the babies to keep us right there in the moment. And, yes. Um, a pebble can take on new meaning. <laughs> yeah, literally the smallest yeah. little thing that yeah. we would disregard. We wouldn't even notice. It's like you seen life through its eyes. You're talking about a beginner's mind. My, my, yes. my definition of mindfulness, I am watching living life vicariously through a beginner's mind who's an 11 month old boy, you know? And so every day is a new day everything he touches or does is completely new and meaningful and special for me and for him because it's his first everything I video every new food he's eaten every new step like everything you know and it's just something to celebrate and I wonder why when we get older when especially when we achieve actually huge milestones I mean I coach clients and they tell me about something huge I like to start every session with what's new and good and I did have one client who couldn't answer that question. It was hard for him to answer what's Aww. new and good. And then didn't mean he didn't have anything new and good. It's that he was just like on this like hamster wheel of just going, going, going. And in the middle and not acknowledging or celebrating the wins. 
And so in the, throughout our conversation in that session, he would mention something that was like a big achievement. I'm like, that's new and good. Why didn't you mention that? Oh, I, I forgot. I didn't even think about it. I'm like, that's like a big thing. Even if it's not big, if it's small, it's like, we need to pause and take a breath and like absorb and embrace and be grateful for that new and good and acknowledge it and celebrate it. And so like through my son's eyes, I'm celebrating every moment with him and he is too. And he loves clapping. Now it's like he celebrates himself. And why do we stop doing that? Why, why do we stop? I mean, cause we're too busy and then we have to go to, we just want more. We're just like more seekers seeking more and more. And it's like, okay, we achieved that. Check that off our list. Let's go to the next. Why? When like we could still, I'm, I'm an overachiever. So is my husband. I mean, it's good to achieve. I'm not saying not to, but let's, celebrate what we've achieved and then move on to the next milestone or, you know, goal or whatever it is that we want to achieve, not just skip it over and be like, okay, on to the next, which is what a lot of my clients do. And, and frankly, I have to admit, I was doing when I started my business and getting all these like great successes, I would do the same and move on. Cause it's like, I want to go to the next. And now I've learned to like slow down and be like, no, this is a big thing. Let's like go out to dinner and celebrate. Let's open a bottle of champagne. Let's, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, let's acknowledge it and however you want to acknowledge it. Uh, so yeah, I, I just think that that's really important. And a lot of people forget to do that or don't think it's important to do it. No, it's definitely important. So how do you celebrate your little victories or your depends what they are, but usually it's, you know, well, like at the dinner table, uh, every night I ask my husband, what are you most grateful for today? And so it's not just something, you know, since it's a daily and nightly ritual, it's always something that is specific to that day. So I acknowledge whatever I have gratitude for in that day for my book launch or something like a very big thing. I like to celebrate with family and be together and just like, you know, acknowledge, like, for example, um, I, I got a lot of you know, beautiful feedback and reviews and Amazon people I don't even know reaching out. So I love to read those. Like I would read them to my husband and be like, oh, look what this person said, or this person reached out on LinkedIn. And it just, it's like heartwarming. It feels so good to acknowledge it, not just like, and then I write back to the people, you know, to acknowledge, like, thank you for, for acknowledging me. I acknowledge you, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just like, take, and acknowledging. And then I'm always a big like birthday. I love to celebrate birthdays. My husband doesn't really like to celebrate birthdays as he's getting older. We're getting older. That's something that some people don't like to celebrate, but you know what? If we weren't born, we wouldn't be here together. I wouldn't be with him. I wouldn't have my child. So for me, like birthdays are something to celebrate and it could be just like getting friends together and like having a nice dinner or you know, it's usually just like a nice dinner or a party or something like that. But I don't think that we should ignore birthdays or things that um, are special to celebrate. I just like, why not? It's a great excuse to get people together. I noticed like when I was um, living full-time in New York, now I'm back and forth, but like when I was in New York full-time, um, a lot of people are so busy and they travel so much. They don't uh, make time as much to like get together for just a regular brunch or dinner. But if it's your birthday brunch or your birthday dinner, they're going to make the effort because that's once a year, right? So that's my way of like 
influencing my friends like, hey, we're going out to celebrate my birthday. So you can't say like, oh, we'll just, well, let's meet up next week because I'm busy this week type of thing. It's just an excuse to get everyone together. It's not like, oh, let's celebrate me. It's let's celebrate us. I want to be with the people I love. And that's my way of getting people together. And I love that. Yeah, no, that's that's so good. Um, when I was driving carpool, my kids were younger. When they'd get in, I'd be like, what are you grateful for today? And my kids uh-huh. were horrified. You know, but I don't care. I don't care. And did uh, they one, answer you? Oh, did yeah. they answer? Yeah, good. Of course. And one one kid, when they'd get in, they'd say, "My mom does that too." <laughs> oh, awesome! It's I always love that. fun to find the like-minded families. You know. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely. As soon as my boy could talk, that's going to be a question I ask every day. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, I have exchanged gratitude. I'm big on gratitude lists. I do them daily and I have for oh, good. a very long time. So yeah. And I exchange them with a friend with lots of friends now, but yeah, I always talk. Yeah. Like, do you have a grad, I call it gratitude buddy. Like you could exchange yes. it via text or phone yes. or whatever. We do it now. Share by, it. We do it by email. It's been over 14 years. Just, <gasps> wow. I've talked about, yeah, yeah. We've exchanged them for a very long time. So that's amazing. Now, yeah. Yep. And yeah. do you, you feel the benefits? I mean, the research shows that a consistent, a regular gratitude practice increases your joy, your happiness. Oh, absolutely. Life, right? And then I, I always tell people, if you're mad at somebody, write everything you're grateful for about them. And, about by, the time oh you fit, and then by the time, like if you're mad at your husband or something, write everything you're right. By the time you get to the end of the list, you're like, oh, they're so great. That's <laughs> a great exercise. Anymore. Yeah. 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 It's, it works. I mean, it totally works. It raises your vibrations. I mean, gosh, that's a good, I'm going to use that one. Cause I usually, when I'm having a bad day, I think about something I'm grateful for. I haven't like, um, personalized it to a person. Like that's a good idea for like, if you're upset with someone oh, yeah. to do that, that's great. I love that. But sometimes I get in one of those moods that, you know, we all have those days. It's like, gosh, everything, every little thing, everything's just going wrong. And, and like, you just focus on the wrong pieces. Like, why can't anything go right? And then I'm like, okay, I got to shift this mindset. Like I teach this stuff. I need to like follow it myself and remind, I remind myself because sometimes when you're stuck in it, you, you don't remember, but I remind myself, okay, what am I grateful for today? And it's not specific to that situation. And that helps me come out. But I think what you're saying when it's specific to that, whether it's a person or situation is even more powerful because then you- oh, yeah the shift the focus of negativity and it starts transforming to more positive positivity which is awesome I love that yeah yeah no it and it totally works people are like but I'm not grateful now I go that's not the point it's when you get you know, when you get to the end of the list then you're like that's when you shift yeah you yeah the point is to do that attitude adjustment yeah so, yeah that's how it works mm-hmm. um do you have a message of hope you want to give a message of hope. I would just say that, you know, my, my biggest message is to become the CEO of your well-being and whatever that means to you. I mean, I've written a whole book on it. So hopefully that could help, especially if you're going through a challenge, adversity, some struggles, maybe life's thrown a curveball at you, you know, read the book and take whatever you want out of it that resonates most with you and just start with one or two things. And what I'm speaking about are the action steps or the business hacks at the end of the book that are actionable things that you can actually do. 
and just start there. And hopefully you choose to become the CEO of your well-being. Because in my opinion, that is the best way to live. And that is the best way to show up in all areas of your life as your best self. And why not show up as your best self everywhere, not just at work, but in life and in all your relationships everywhere and all the time. Oh, that's so good. Uh, This was great. Thank you so much for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. Yeah, this was great. And of course, we'll have all the links and there's your book. (laughs) (laughs) So anyone just listening, I was just sharing a picture of the book. (laughs) Wonderful. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Nas's messages of pausing, listening to your inner self and gratitude. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about how to live abundantly, authentically, and how to keep joy in your life. What a concept, huh? It's a great episode that's super upbeat. You don't want to miss that. That's next week. Be sure to sign up for a free Confidence and Clarity Boost session. If you're struggling, this might be for you. If you're having that feeling that life's passing you by, your inner critic's going nonstop, you're feeling burnt out or jealous, feeling like other people are doing what it is that you wish you were doing, just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and you can sign up for free Confidence and Clarity Boost sessions. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening. 